Oh, you've got the opener? No, I don't know. Oh, you you don't know? Well, I just am going through my phone notes. Okay. The first note is placeholder. That sucks. <laughs> the next ho- note is autofill. <laughs> what are you doing? I don't know. What? I just have thoughts and I write them down. Those were the thoughts. I guess Your my thoughts, thoughts was that I don't. <laughs> that you don't have thoughts? Autofill, placeholder. What does that say? My about motivation me this week? is motivation. What does that say? What does it mean? I think that it means that we are very tired. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, we have been working our butts off for seven thousand hours. Yeah. <laughs> Every time you say yeah. how many hours, you make it more. Yeah, it's a recurring bit. It's uh-huh. only funny if you up it. Right. Each right. time. Well. The last 10,000 hours have been crazy. I mean, we have been just really, really making that album. On an album. But we also interrupt that process every week for to do this podcast. An hour to do this podcast, yes. And um, here we are. Here in we front are. Of these mics doing the podcast. And you know what? You're going to be able to catch this podcast live. We're going to do a live show. I can't wait. It'll be the first one ever, it's unless we choose to do one before. Maybe warm up. Uh, yeah. Because the first <laughs> the first live show of I Don't Heart Radio is going to be at Treefort. Yeah. So um, there's Treefort has, we already talked about that we're going to play it, uh, the band Summer Like the Season that we're in. Um, but then they also have like Pod Fort and Comedy Fort and some other. Yoga Fort. F- Yoga Fort. That's the yes. other fort. So um, we are going to do a live episode of I Don't Heart Radio at the Pod Fort. So that'll be a cool other experience if you happen to be in Boise, Idaho. I do have to go. I have to figure out how, how to make this a live show. I think, I think we, I mean, just, we just basically do, do this. this, but we talk in front of people. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. That is what, that is what it's okay. We figured it out. Good, Good job. Meeting. Uh-huh. Uh, so now uh, we've got it. Okay. Got it on lock. Yeah. Nailed. I mean, what, what could be cool. I mean, usually you find unknown band on the internet but it could be cool to find a band that's on the Tree Fort lineup, perhaps, to talk them, about. That well, seems a is little... A, is that too... Com- it, what do you mean? What were you going to say? Well, that's just a little, like, I don't want to directly meet them. Like, right after, after I we talk, talk about, about them. them or, yeah. yeah. Well, you have to find a band if you could only find good things to say about them. Right. I, I find good things to or say about everybody. Or we could make it enemy. You could find Our your least favorite pod. band and do the first negative pod, you know, live. We rip someone apart. Terrible idea. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm Summer Krinsky. I'm Scott Murphy. This is I Don't Heart Radio. And this could be your next favorite band. And today we are talking about... Nuha Ruby Raw. Nuha Ruby, Ruby. Raw. How do you spell Nuha? So it's a N U H A. Okay. Ruby, R U B Y. Yes, I new guess word. That one. Raw, R A. Is Nuha Ruby one word? No, no, no. Okay. Three words. There are three. Like an assassin. Sweet. Or a hyphenated last name. Not no the, hyphens. No hyphens. All right. No one's getting married here. Of course not. Okay. Like an this assassin. A, Do all assassins have three? Lee Harvey Oswald. Wow. Who else? 
You got any others? Mark David Chapman. All right. That's interesting. Uh, and the um, MLK. I don't know that assassin. More three people names? should the FBI. <laughs> the Federal <laughs> Bureau of Investigation. That is three, three names. Bam. Case sealed. Okay, I mean, the song you showed me is like, I could, that could be the theme song to me at work. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't look Don't at me. Don't look at me. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. I wish I could have just played that song in the ear of so many people. I was just trying to do my job. <laughs> uh, so the, the, the chorus is, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Which I also I I also identify with. Yeah. Please stop looking at me. It's just so many there's so many I mean I, I don't know if this is written around uh like this you know everyone can have their own interpretation. My immediate interpretation was thinking of being at work at a, a venue where I'm just trying to like mix a show and a bunch of people want to know where the bathroom is, which isn't, you know, I'm <laughs> just, like in the job. middle of testing a thing or f- solving a problem and someone's like, um, where do can, I pee? Yeah. Where do I go pee pee? And that's like the best case. Yeah. The, the more often case is like, can I get your number? Or are you the DJ? Can you put on? Um, can, can you, you just put like on the Bruno Mars song? Um, like in the middle of a band, playing? right? And and that sucks. Yeah, don't look at me. <laughs> so there is like a lot of do- don't look at me, but I think that what's interesting is the song is called Self Portraiture, right? So right. it's I think that it's playing with uh, like also like not. Like yourself, not looking at yourself. Uh-huh. I think that there is some some reflexivity going on. Totally, there. yeah. Which also, yes, I uh, wish it- like like yourself, not looking at yourself, like being you, overly uh, self aware. Right. Like, why am I examining every single moment of my life? Why am I over examining? Why am mm-hmm. I hyper fixating on this decision or this decision versus the which I think that we also I'm very familiar with that way of thinking. I yeah. might overanalyze every millimoment of any interaction I've ever had. Um, Focus on minute detail. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I guess on the self like the self portrait thing of like don't look at me then it kind of makes me think of I like one year I had a whole year where I didn't have a mirror in my bedroom mm. um like anywhere in the bedroom it was like and I guess I don't know I just feel like most people have a mirror somewhere in their bed bedroom yeah like that's a common like on you your, do a back your check. door or something and I like I do now but I had a whole year and it was the first year of my life it was like as an adult where I like intentionally didn't put any mirrors in my room and I, I wanted to write an essay, which I never wrote, called <laughs> Reflecting on a Year Without Reflections. Oh. Because it does change how you think in a, in a way. Like in a body image. Yeah, that you're just like, it's less, you're throwing your face at yourself less. And so it's, I don't, it is a body Did image Did it feel thing. good? Yeah, I mean, I probably, I think I walked around with more, like, food in my teeth, but, you know, you know mm. me, I have a good amount of food in you my teeth. You have a good amount of food in your teeth mirrors. at all times. Yeah. yeah, so it wasn't, like, that much changed on my outward appearance, because I think I generally am, like, a mess. Yeah. Right? But yeah. It, it was inwardly, I think, a pretty positive thing. Well, I think that you should do a TED Talk about it. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that that's what we'll, <laughs> uh, we're going to scrap this podcast, and that's going to be our big move. You're going to start, a like, a little cult commune based Mm -hmm. around not having mirrors yeah and like 
we have to like make all of our water foggy or something. We'll pollute. Oh, pollute the water. We're the pollution cult. That's how we'll bring about about the apocalypse. Yes, through. You need a good apocalypse plan if you're starting a cult. You do. So I hear too many don't because Nexium didn't have, uh, you know, the follow through. Mm -hmm. What's the end? What's the end stage here, Keith? They were like gearing up to do to maybe do like a Mormonism Joseph Smith like be the president, be the president, or which is a lot of yeah, yeah, which is like, you know. But where's the doomsday? Where's the Om Shinrikyo, mm-hmm. like, pizzazz? Well, Where are the human-sized microwaves? I think we really nailed what I could focus on if this whole band thing doesn't work out. You heard it here first. <laughs> All of you labels that this just is the got moment. a demo. This is, the, this is my L. Ron Hubbard moment where I say it would be easier than being a sci-fi writer to just start a religion. I'm saying it'd be easier than being a band to start a doomsday cult that worships... Uh, climate change. I don't <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> that's so. Yeah, that's please so, no one so, do this oh, or please do don't. no. <laughs> okay, probably getting really far from what the song is actually about here. But. I think it's exactly what it's about. Correct us if we're wrong, and uh-huh. we'll do a corrections corner. But I think that we've stumbled upon the full meaning of mm-hmm. self-portraiture. Uh, yes, actually, I will just we'll just until we get we our email, down. we're yeah. doubling down. Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of inference on the I Don't Heart Radio pod. We're trying to be storytellers. We're fi- we're finding through your lyrics, people of the internet that are putting their music out there, we're interpreting what you've given us. <laughs> and this is about a cloudy water doomsday cult. Yes. Okay. So, so tell uh, us more about this band. So. <laughs> Newha uh, has been putting out music for a bit, but this new collection, which is a, there are two singles out, My Voice and Self-Portraiture. I'm pretty excited about what's coming because it's a huge, I think that it's a huge step up from the last release. Okay. Uh, Like just mix wise or what do you mean? Mix wise, content wise. There is, so, you know, within Self-Portraiture, there's a lot of that kind of, spoken word kind of like voguing yeah like, you've been choosing a lot of stuff with that energy and i've been loving it yes and i i think i hadn't really been listening to stuff of that uh, that vibe for a while and it's just i feel like it's just it feels fresh yeah I, it's not like it's not like people haven't done the kind of like spoken word over track thing before but yeah it kind of feels like I always say like there, there's certain things that you uh, you just need some distance from. I feel like it's just been a long time and now it's feeling really like yeah, yes. it's fresh again. Yeah, it's. New. I think that <laughs> I think that this is the I think that this is stuff that's about to blow up. Uh huh. And so what's really interesting, uh, the last release, it was that kind of vocal style, but it was a little hat on a hat because it was over like electro. Right. You know. Yeah. And and, and you know it's just it, those are two things that go together. You know, but the thing is, is that self-portraiture um, is playing off of a very um, UK like chaos punk. Yeah. So like, the, I guess it has to be said because it hasn't been yet. It's, it's like extremely dissonant. Yes. And it's and it's guitar, bass, drums. Yes. It are the are the backing track. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's like absolutely wild. It reminds me a lot of. Um, kind of like McCluskey's approach to punk rock, uh, which it, that's 
one of my, you know, if anyone's keeping track, that's like one of my top 10 favorite bands. Uh-huh. So it's very fun to have those two worlds colliding. And I think that it's super interesting to, yeah. uh, to, to get so outside of what you would normally be comfortable with on a track. Yeah, it's like it's got this uh, like grooving churn that feels really unstable because it's so dissonant. Yeah, but it's also um, like just it's driving. Yes, like it's a driving pulse. Yeah, um, that definitely. And then and then the the like flat vocal like spoken thing is just so hooky. Yeah, for being like not. Very melodic, which is what's yeah, so it's cool that without it can, hooking, yeah. and, and it can just sit on top of this, like because like dissonance, it the you know it's it's a complicated harmonic relationship. Yeah, so then it can sit on top and not resolve while also not. It, it's not. It's it's like be, when something is dissonant, it can actually be let. It makes it less present in your brain. So uh-huh. it can serve as more of a blank canvas. Yeah. Like you wouldn't, um, but a lot of, that's like turn of the century, like um, a lot of Scandinavian orchestral works will use like a minor second, um, like dragged out across 64 bars as the canvas for a piece. And then the melody happens on top of it. And the with the theory being that the dissonance doesn't actually leap to the front of your brain when you're hearing it. Your brain wants to like delete it. So yeah. it, it takes you can't up space. As easily latch on. Yeah. Feel comfortable yeah. in it. It's so <laughs> it's so interesting, which is also I mean there's like a whole uh you, you know there's uh there's a classical background to it, but then it even gets into like the finger style guitar of like Burt Janch big on the major 7 minor second with the same intention of like it's a rhythmic block that fills up a piece and then everything around it, you're able to be so busy mm-hmm. while also not feeling cluttered. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And it's like um, what you're saying, because I didn't, you, you showed me the newest track, but like I feel like an electronic, w- what you said was the old stuff under it. It kind of like, uh, I could see how it wouldn't be as um, bold coming across. Yes. Yeah. Because there's something about the like uh, dissonance of the guitar hook or guitar part, whatever it is. You know, yeah. like, it, it. There's something about the dissonance of it that feels mechanical without being mechanical. Yes, exactly. You know. Yeah, it's it's electronic without being electronic. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's. It, I, I'm a fan. So this is the this is the first single. Um, I don't know when they released, but My Voice and Self-Portraiture are the two singles okay, that are out. Okay, two out. And, uh, and then the rest of the album is coming out uh, towards the end of the year. Cool. Uh, so they just signed to Brace Yourself Records, which in and of itself is a very interesting label that I, I dug into this afternoon. It's um, it's all UK-based. Okay. And it's... Uh, it's an offshoot of a PR company. It's like two dudes that worked for PR, and then they went like, "What if we did a label?" Was it PR for music? Was it was they, PR just for like music and like I think celebrities okay. as well. So they they went like, "What if we didn't do this?" Uh-huh. Uh huh. 
And then they started Brace Yourself in 2016. And it's just, uh, it's really full of a lot of very, very interesting, it ranges from um, like pretty straightforward punk to art punk to art pop like this. But all of it, and I feel like it's like one of those times where you see a perfect melding of things because I feel like this new Ha track is kind of, um, her approach on her prior releases melded with the with the label with the, sound with the label punk, uh-huh. and I think that it's created this very fascinating, um, like smash up. Yeah, yeah, that's sweet. Um, so I wonder, like, we do you know? I wonder if there was like inspiration from other bands on the label, or if it just like. So I'm making an inference yeah. once again because uh-huh. there isn't a, a direct like interview or anything that I could confirm that, but it does just listen. I listened to there are like ten bands on the roster, yeah, and I'm like, this kind of sounds like one of those bands just smashed into a new hot track, uh-huh. uh huh. And maybe that's coincidental. Maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe it was made. And then someone went, oh, it sounds like it fits this sound. Yeah. Or maybe there was like some direction. Yeah. Impossible to say. Well. But fun to speculate about. Yes. And I mean, I think whatever created it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever lava it was molded inside of. The primordial musical ooze. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It is like a very cool direction. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What do you know about the name? Do you know anything about Nuha? No. No? No. Ruby? Nope. What's the last word? Raw. Raw. Well, okay, it sounds raw. I right. Get that That's part of, like, that works. I know that uh, Nuha has been putting out music for a little bit. She considers it confessional punk. Uh, and that's it. Okay. That's what's out there. Sweet. Well, uh, I'm excited to... And I do think I think that this is like on the verge of doing stuff. She's, uh, you know, plays aren't quite there yet, but she's got opening slots for King Giz, Viagra Boys. Like, uh, I think Idols is in there somewhere. Ooh. So all of the the hip up and coming, uh, noisy stuff that people are really into. I think this is about to hit the uh, hit the algorithm pretty hard i think it's about i i think it's my time to get really into idols actually right so i like uh have a lot of friends that love idols played them all the time would be like you you would love idols you have to get listen to idols and um i every time they put on idols i'd be like this is really good and for some reason i never put it on on my own then they came to um the venue i work at i did sound for them right before they blew up huge they like it. They were almost too big to play that venue, and then they like played Lala after, just like super blew up right after, and it was an amazing show. They were incredible live, and for some reason, I didn't play their album after that. And then recently, this week, I randomly just was like, "It's time for me to get it's into time idols. for idols." I'm like very late to the party. I know people tried to get me into them when they were hip and up and coming for the la- for many years. I mean, they've been, you know, it's been it's been a huge process of people being like, you would love this band, and it's my time. But so don't be like me, and get on the new ha. Too late. Ruby, no, raw. this is this is this, this is, is happening right now. Right now, yeah. <laughs> this is this is right now. Uh-huh. Singles just came out. You could be. 
the proto hipster <laughs> on this track. That's pretty great. That's why uh-huh. this podcast matters. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is it time for the next yeah, section? Yeah, story time. Okay. It's it's uh, second half. Uh huh. As we call it, the back how, half. How related and unrelated? I, I there was a period where you were really trying to smooth one into the other, and then it kind of went very unsmoothed and then and then you were getting back into back transitions sp- you what, know where are we today i think this is like an in-betweeny okay uh you got a you got a hook you got a intro <laughs> no <laughs> well, boo. Boo. <laughs> all right give me something what are we talking about <laughs> okay so every week i go through the releases on the internet i come through uh and the thing is is that at the early days of the internet, there was kind of a a myth that went around that is possibly true that, you know, people were putting their stuff on SoundCloud and then later that day an A&R rep happened to have been going through all of the releases on the internet and they went, this one, we'll pluck it from the pile and it'll go uh, into the label halls, you uh-huh. know, which was maybe true 20 years ago. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But through austerity and through the changing of everything, uh, you know, just increasingly rapidly, there's no way that there's anyone on staff whose job it is to go through the Internet and find music. Well, I think that it is it's like things are blowing up on the Internet. Yes. And then. And then it's making it to that level of pe- of no, you, <sighs> but you don't see, think? I you think it's all I mean it's level- the ABCDEFU yeah. thing. Uh-huh. Like I think that there are a lot of stories of things blowing up on the internet, but then they in and of themselves have been manufactured to have blown up on the internet. You're talking about a song. Yes, I, I don't remember if you talked about that on the podcast before. I don't. I don't think I have. Okay, there was this a. Song. Um, it's the song. It's on the radio now, and it goes that the. the Hook is A B C D E F U. Everyone knows this song. Uh-huh. Uh, and the thing is, is that the PR around the song was that the person on TikTok uh, was doing, um, like, people were writing ideas for starting songs, like, uh, you know, from, from the comment section. Uh-huh. Like, you know, write a song about a banana or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, write a little song. And then there was a comment that was like, LOL, like, wouldn't it be so wild if you, like, wrote a song with the alphabet? Was, like, one of the questions. Yeah. And then she was like, oh, okay, yeah, I think I can, you know, and this is all, like, on a live telecast or whatever. Like, I think I think I might be able to come up with something that's, like, let's see, A, mm, like, ooh, okay, I'm working, I'm thinking, like, I, I'm coming up with this song. It, a B C D E F U. Right. You know? And then it's like light bulb, light bulb, likes. Oh, oh, wow, wow. You just so came cool. up with this. Oh, whoa, oh, my God. That's incredible. And now it's on the rate. Right. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. whoa. Uh, but then it turns out that that comment that was like, oh, well, well, what if you wrote a song with the alphabet? That was written by a fucking Capitol Records PR executive that just so happened to have signed this random TikTok person like the week before. (laughs) So 
they didn't write the song like and yeah, you the know the song already existed. The song already existed. It was it, it, it's a, a ho- like a it, it was already done. Yeah. It was done. It was it's a PR stunt. And yeah, then if it, the it, song started on TikTok Live or whatever and then tomorrow is on the radio, it it has it it does take a little even if it is just like a formulaic <laughs> pop song, it does yeah. take longer. I mean, pop production is to make it seamless is like a you know it's, it, that's it all. takes ten thousand hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it takes a, a crew, a movie crew level of people. And to it, get. so it did blow up online, and it did blow up, and it did become a hit, and everyone knows the song. But it's the foundation of it is lies, and I, so I guess that's the thing. Like I think that everything is just a, a, a it, just a house of cards that is built fundamentally on lying to everybody which I think is bad. I, I do think it's bad. I mean, I, I think that it is... Which, I mean, like... I'm, frustrating. It's frustrating, and <laughs> I'm going through, least. and I'm, I'm like, kind of inferring and kind of just making stuff up sometimes because uh-huh. there are gaps to fill, but I'll say, you know, we're just having fun. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. But there's, like, a concerted effort to, you know, lie. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like... um. You're making the if there's no if there's no hook no like juicy story to sell about a thing you've you've manufactured one, and I mean that is the job of a uh, right. publicity person. But so, the, the, I, so that's I, I guess that that's yeah. the thing. Like there is no juicy story, so we must make one, or we have to. Look, it's not just about because it used to be that you like embellished or exaggerated right. you know but these but, are just... okay okay so i think here's like if i can put my finger on what is like most a uh, turn off about this to you uh-huh. is is that it used to be that you know you would embellish exaggerate like people would pretend that they'd worked with bigger people than they had or like they like have these like like um stories about you know uh, oh i i I'm just I'm thinking about um my our our friend who's a clown and has a a clown uh, uh-huh. uh <laughs> mentor who just makes up stories all the time and it'll be about working with more like someone famous a or more someone, famous clown yeah and 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 I think that this is distasteful because it's not about working with someone more famous or it's not like a grab to pull themselves up it's pretending to be coming from, from nothing. nothing yes and so it's super disingenuous yeah right That's yeah the, yeah yeah you're appropriating uh like blue collar culture <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean as a diy band yeah that is just like recording everything ourselves and booking everything ourselves and i'm not proud of it i would love some help but you're appropriating <laughs> my culture <laughs> and using it as like a know. ledge to like cr- like climb up yeah, and if you've already been signed just, to Capitol Records, you are not, you know, yes, there's a big difference between being signed to a major and being successful. There's plenty of people that get signed, put out music, or the music never even sees the light of day, and, you know, it goes nowhere. But it's still totally, totally like a, a front. Yes. Yeah. And, okay, so I hate that. And <laughs> then what I also hate <laughs> is that there is no spirit of adventure in any of these stories and any of these uh, like presentations of what it is that you're doing, there's no, I'm there. It's so incredibly risk adverse uh-huh. on like everyone's part. Artists don't want to take risk. Lord is afraid of losing money on tour. Uh, 
the uh, well to me with that article it was it was Lord saying that she can she can make money but only because of how famous she is and how most right, people right, cannot right and that's sad. I know that that's what she said but then the article a title of PR, no, 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 the title yeah. was yeah yeah everyone's losing money even Lord says you know yeah yeah which is like obviously not it's the disingenuous yeah, but right. still the presentation is that uh, but the the narrative is just you know what hyperinflation just no one should go on adventures anymore everyone should go back to work <laughs> you should probably lord says go back to best buy that's what lord says kids well i mean and that it's like I don't know if that's what <laughs> I don't know if that's what Lord is saying, but it is what is being. Well, it's I like think that's what the you messaging. Can, well, it's what you can. Um, it's what any smart person would land on if there feels like there's no room to make a mistake. If if you feel like I mean, and that's the like the sad reality of everyone living like p- paycheck to paycheck is like if you don't feel like you have the ability to mess up and not like die (laughs) right right then it's much harder to go on an adventure and um uh, and then but but like an adventure going on an adventure is the point of life right well and that's the thing i think that i think that to a degree at any time of adventure there was always i think there's always been risk yes i think that that's the the odyssey that's the yeah they took a bunch of a bunch of them died you know uh and and the spirit of adventure up until this point was that there was risk. Yeah, I mean, there's if there's no stakes, what's the... Right. Yeah. And then it's like, there are all of these like, oh, well, what you need to do is you need to go on a curated adventure. You Ooh, know? Yeah, yeah. You, you have to, uh, we have to very carefully plan every aspect of the adventure to mitigate risk to uh-huh. the maximum uh, extent. And yeah. that is the that is the narrative of like, oh, what are these artists doing? They're mitigating risk. They're well, data and, analysts. I mean, I guess we are maybe examples, you and I, of people that are probably um love risk. Extremely risk uh friendly. <laughs> to the point where I mean like we don't always have a plan, but you know what? Things have ten I guess it's the I, I had a, well. That's I, the that's the point. I guess that's the point. The first time that you like step into the water, you go, "Oh, I could drown." <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was gonna <laughs> no. say. Well, it's like, yeah, I could drown, but also, I am also likely to just float to where I need to go. I think. I think with from- a little bit of you know, I have to. <laughs> I have to like paddle. Yeah, I mean, I have. I had a conversation once when I was. I was doing. Um, I did an internship thing uh, in Germany when I was in college, and I I didn't plan very. I knew I was doing this internship with this uh, like jazz label based in Munich, and I didn't have a place to stay planned out. And I was just going. I had like people I was talking to, and I just remember my my uh, I my roommate at the time who was a you know awesome person and also in the arts but she was like really really um ocd in a i guess i'm a little in a different way in an opposite way though where she was like very uh, planned out really uh anti-chaos and everything uh a big planner person i lose planners she like couldn't you know conceptualize life without one right um 
And so she was said to me like, uh, she couldn't believe that I didn't have a, a plan, plan for what I would do when I got there. And, and, and she said like, only you can get away with that kind of stuff. And I was like, that is not true. Everyone can get away. I just might, I might be in trouble. (laughs) 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 It might, it might not go so well. Um, for for anyone, it it. But I think that so, <laughs> some people the level of anxiety it would give them is maybe not worth the the risk. But but wait wait wait. But where yeah. I'm going with this is just that I do think there's a lot of people on the edge of these two like uh of the spectrum of of risk and planning, and I think that they need a push. Right. And right. society is always going to push you in the direction of a 401k. Well, and when you're old uh, and you need to know what's going on, you can't go to work and you're injured and you're, you know, and we're in a capitalist nation and blah, 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 blah. It might technically be have been better <laughs> to have not listened to this podcast right. and listen to society. <laughs> right. But... What's the point? But okay, I guess so that's the thing. Like, <laughs> What's I don't the point think that of there. Are, I don't know if there are enough at people advocating for taking. Like, that's why I'm like, you know what? Yeah, maybe it's bad advice. But it, there used to be a market of people giving bad bad advice. bad advice. Who here we are? Here we to are to fill the need. I think that it's important. Uh huh. Because it's uh, speaking from my personal anecdotal experience. This is personal. And anecdotal, Mm -hmm. I recognize that. But in my early 20s, I had a full-time teaching job. Like, I taught 45 students. I had a very steady income. I owned a house. I, uh, You know, I'm 20, like literally 20 years old. And I have all of this security, but I'm also at the same time suffering from crippling anxiety. Okay, like don't I I don't know how to like go out and talk to people. I'm on um uh like a tab of Xanax a day uh-huh. to like, you know, go to the grocery store. Uh and, and like all of those like high functioning anxiety problems. Sure. And it was, you know, uh there's all of this security and no risk. Right. Okay, I'm in Colorado. I'm on the front range. There's mountain, you know, you go like climb a mountain. You're like, "Oh, that's nice." And then you go down, but then there's just like a there's a hole and there's just a feeling of like the walls are constantly closing in. When there's no there's no threats. There's <laughs> no risk. Yeah. But it just feels like there's just a constant what what if the what if the caldera explodes you know right Uh, just like just anxiety 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 just baseless ambient anxiety okay you know to the point you go to a doctor and you're like i have all of this baseless ambient anxiety and they're like yeah holy shit here's just like you you're fucked up son Uh uh-huh and then i just woke up and went fuck it i'm gonna go move to new york i just made a decision like uh like huge risk yeah. I'm going to quit my job. Sell your house. I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to go move to New York. And within like two weeks, just and not knowing what I was going to do, of just like walking around in a, like the g- giantest city on planet Earth, you know, 
from uh from like rural nothingness i haven't had like baseless ambient anxiety since and i was in constant danger yeah <laughs> that's the thing it's like uh, every other month it was like ah the the chinese mafia is evicting you from this warehouse and like oh no that's pretty bad and it just like Physical danger, mental danger, financial danger, all of the dangers are happening at all the same time. But you realize when faced with danger that you can actually overcome it, like that problems are solvable. Uh And I think that there is something actually incredibly freeing about that. There's something about the human mind that when there is no stimulus, it makes it for you. That's why like hero myth exists like throughout the entirety of human existence is just like we are fundamentally wired to be like, where is the danger? Uh-huh. Where is the tiger? Yeah. But when there is something so profoundly spiritually fulfilling with being faced with a tiger. Yeah. No, I mean, I feel that with like with even just the story that I was saying about that uh, time, I was like, I was like 20 when uh-huh. I went to th- do that thing in Munich. And like, I had gone on big trip before that had a plan. Like it, it, I, I was going with people I knew to a place that, uh, you know, we were traveling outside the country. We knew where we were staying. We knew where we were eating. We knew, you know, what entertainment we were going to go to, what, um, you know, like museums we were going to see. And that was fine. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But when I went and and didn't know where I was going to stay, I mean, I I got there, I got a hotel, I communicated with some people online. I ended up getting a message from a German who said, um, we are messy and we smoke, but if that's okay, you can stay here. And I said, these people sound (laughs) cool. (laughs) i met them they're awesome like super weird artists and musicians and like uh some of them were students it was like a flat that was kind of like a uh like uh, just kind of a collection place for wayward people there was like some a few there were like a three germans that lived there and then there was a man from ireland that moved in and me they like to have international people and it was and there was an Italian girl that would come by all the time. It was a very, like, they loved to have weird travelers. And they smoked, and they were messy, and they were awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and if I had just had a plan to, you know, obviously, when you have a plan. <laughs> well, the thing is that with plans, I think that you're always, like, looking for the optimum. Yes. You know, and that that can that can rob you of what's actually the best experience because sometimes the best experience comes from the suboptimum condition. You don't plan for like, I, I'm really hoping that this is suboptimal. Right. You know? <laughs> no, but I mean, my favorite stories that I have, but and probably the biggest bonding experiences with my closest friends were when everything went wrong. Yeah. And we had to work together to figure out how we were going to... You yeah, because you have to face the tiger. Yeah, yeah. That's just, and it doesn't even need to be. It doesn't. It doesn't need have to, to be, be extreme face the tiger. danger. Like for ex- on another traveling, because I think like traveling is a great way to bring out like immense stress for a lot of people. Yeah. And I-, I was with my mom once, and um, we like a, we were had a connecting flight, 
and it was through like Amsterdam's a big hub and um so like we had a connecting flight through Amsterdam the our flight took off late and so we missed our connection and um my my mom is like you know she's like totally thrown off the plan is going wrong she's totally freaked out they they auto put us on another flight that leaves like we get there at probably like 9 a.m. We've missed the, the connection. We're supposed to get on a flight at 10 p.m., right? Late in the day. And so I, I'm i like, let's go into the city and explore. We, we've, we Instead of seeing it as we've lost a day in the city we're going to, I see it as we've gained a day in Amsterdam. You right, know? right. And my mom insists that we have to wait in this giant line to talk t- to try to Karen at the poor airplane lady who's like has a bunch of other people yelling at her that like they need her you know to be on an earlier flight and like you have to fix it and it's like we weren't going anywhere for work we were like lucky enough to be just exploring why we're in a place neither of us have been why can't we just go see the city we waste three hours in this line, and my mom attempts to, you know, talk to the lady. There's no flight she can get us on. We've just yeah, wasted three there's hours. There's no planes. We end up finally, once she accepts that her fate, which I, when she accepts her fate and decides to go with it, she listens to me. We go to the city, and we had the most memorable, amazing day. She still, she brings it up all of the time yeah. about how much she loved that day we had in Amsterdam, and like. And she also brings up all the time how if, she, you know, she wishes we had just gone in earlier. And I, I guess that's the like accepting the fate <laughs> and finding that that's even like that's because like the journey and overcoming things with adventure is great. But also just like going with the flow and finding um, beautiful things in times when you didn't. Right expect. when the optimum, what when your planned optimum wasn't reached, you yes, still make the best of what's available. Yeah. So wait, okay, is this is this concept part B? Well, <laughs> so it wasn't. I actually had like a story. Okay. But then it just turned into this really interesting conversation. Well, what's the story? Okay, so uh, are you familiar with uh, so Ginger Baker, the drummer? Yes. Okay. Do you know about the Africa Studio? No. Okay, so I think this is the one of the coolest things in human history, uh-huh. uh, and it has to do with just not being a fucking coward. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, um, Ginger Baker rises to like the peak of music stardom mm-hmm. in the late '60s. He's the drummer for Cream. He knows Eric Clapton. He, uh, you know, he's a mega famous drummer. And, uh, you know, a a well-known, slightly volatile uh, personality. Yeah. And he's, like, cited as, like, an influence on a lot of yes. the drummers that become influences to modern. Yes. Oh, like, I, yeah. like, there's a lot. If you were, like, to take this, this, the family tree of drummer influences, a lot of them point back to Ginger Baker. Well, yeah, especially for the... Um, he like grew up as a like a jazz drummer like right. a bop drummer right, right, right. and then made the transition to rock but then fused with like traditional african drumming mm-hmm. so it's like the total fusion of rock um like bop jazz and world music right that all stems back to ginger baker but it's not but the thing is, is that that last crucial like bit of like world music influence, it doesn't come from being like a bookish like, well, I'm just a nice, nice little white guy. 
he woke up one day, like just right in between cocaine and heroin time, and went, fuck, <laughs> there's probably so much good music in Africa, and no one's ever going to hear it. I have to fix it. He just, nothing sparked this? No. Okay. <laughs> it's 1971. It's maybe that he had heard about the Fela Kuti uh, problem in America. Maybe. This is like some people think that this is it. Some people think that he just woke up and thought it. Okay. Um, but um, Fela Kuti, uh, fantastic. Like, I mean, if you haven't, go listen to it. It's incredible. Um, had an ill-fated American tour in 1970 where he was like really popping off. Yeah. Uh but then uh he met up with the Black Panthers and they kind of went like what if you radicalized a little bit and then I'm going to do big air quotes a promoter for one of the shows uh decided that Fela Kuti needed to be immediately uh deported. Ah, uh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So uh, so no, uh, no American connection there. Uh -huh. And Ginger Baker may or may not have heard of like the ill-fated tour and Cootie in general. Uh, but uh, the studio that he builds in Nigeria becomes where Fela Cootie does the recordings that then disseminate across the world and fundamentally change, uh, like the political future of nigeria okay so there's a studio in nigeria we've jumped from uh, oh, let's well, rewind to he's woken yeah. up and perhaps just randomly or not randomly. or not randomly goes i need to make a recording studio in nigeria so that all of this music that is happen that's undoubtedly happening there right that i wouldn't uh, like i've recorded music and that's how everyone's heard my music and what if someone's making music better than my music? And we no never know. It. Yeah, yeah. So he uh, just fills up like uh, you know a boat with a with a convoy and an entire recording studio worth of gear and uh, crosses into the continent of Africa. Can't get right into Nigeria. Has to drive all the way across the desert uh, in cars that are unsuited for the desert. They keep catching on fire. Uh, they is he alone? He's got he like, like <laughs> he's got like six other hipsters with him. Okay, it's just like it's Ginger Baker, a few other musicians, uh, a documentarian who films everything, and it's called uh, Ginger Baker in Africa. It's on YouTube right now. I watch it like once a year, and I just watched it again. It's incredible. I mean, it's just like Ginger Baker fucking biggest sunglasses you've ever seen driving across Africa just chain smoking and then narrating in like uh, bop poetry style the desert is dusty and the dust kills the car <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's just absolutely torched and it takes three years to build the studio it keeps like catching on fire and or like uh, invading armies like to prevent it from being built ginger baker has to bribe everybody and he's just constantly uh, he's in jail a few times but he says he's just like i have to make this studio i have to use my profile which is i think the cowardice 
that is like shown by everybody that because again because we believe that we're in a time of great risk with very little upside that anything that you receive you must cling to and not share and not try to better society or like pass it on mm-hmm. ginger baker faced much bigger risk than like maybe not getting a pitchfork profile. Uh He was put in African prison in 1971 over and over again because he wanted to make a studio for people that wouldn't otherwise have it. And he succeeded? Yes. That's where some of the most important recordings of the 70s got made. Yeah. Like not just the Fela Kuti stuff, but uh, like Paul McCartney came and recorded there. Paul Simon recorded there. Like all of the... You know, all of the stuff that kind of does the Afrofusion thing. Like, that's all that studio. Mm -hmm. And it's from total risk. Does it... Wait, so you said it it fundamentally changed Nigeria? Yeah. What happened? (laughs) Okay, so uh, when Fela Kuti returned from America post-radicalization... Yeah. uh, So Nigeria at that time was basically a, uh, like, military fascist state. Okay. And Fela Kuti went like, well, what if it wasn't, <laughs> you uh-huh. know? Uh, so he made, it's a, it's basically like a cult, he made a commune mm-hmm. uh, that uh, with the sole expression of like, first off, everyone fucking Fela. And then also not accepting military rule. Uh, and then for a long time, they were basically left alone by the military government. But in 77, Fela uses the studio to record Zombie, which is, uh, first off, an absolute banger. And it's a, uh, like, a protest anthem. Yeah. Of, like, everyone should rise up Uh against the military government and overthrow it. Okay. And people are like, what if we did? (laughs) Uh, Which then leads to Fela being jailed for, like, 15 years uh, like uh, Mandela style, uh-huh. but then he does he does win I- in the end. Like he, he fundamentally changes the government structure. Does he get of out? Yeah. And then what? <laughs> he made music. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, that would be the ultimate hero's journey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the ultimate risk of like I, I, I death or imprisonment. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people are risk averse of with with sharing resources and they face for like nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's what I think that the it's like it's nothing. Your risk and but the thing is is that the way that it's portrayed to us. Like I don't blame anyone because like you turn on the news and it's like a point Two percent rise in crime has caused America to be in tatters. Don't go on tour. <laughs> Hyperinflation is here. And it's just lame. That's lame. That's lame shit. Is, Compa- is that what the news is saying to you? Don't go on tour. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Every, like, it's, you know, it's whispered. Right, right. But right, it's right. there. That's what they're, yeah, yeah. I mean, with it's their version stereo of gum isn't going <laughs> to write about your band it's their version of don't go on tour it's a weird it's a weird too because like we have i think 
especially in America, this culture of being so pro, uh, like startup inventor, you know? Right, right. Well, also being like, do not. Right. Don't you dare. Well, I mean, I would go a step further. I would go like, I would rather have these experiences than security. Yeah. But also, I think that security is a lie. You think that it's just can always I think that it can always disappear. I think that a series of banks could have decided to give out subprime mortgages and, oh, whoops, uh, no houses. Yeah. Uh, I think that someone can at any moment go like, oh, the job you've had for 15 years, actually, we decided it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, sorry, (laughs) a, a, a virus could... I don't know, sweep the globe. And, uh, you know, everyone could just go, ah, tough. Right. That sucks. Yeah. I mean, your your country could be invaded. You know, like nations can end. There's no. Oh, yeah. Your, Your currency could collapse. Right. All of those things are absolutely on the table at any time. Security is a lie. Uh, consistency is a very carefully crafted, you know, it was this way uh, for forever. It will continue to be this way. Yeah. Not guaranteed. But you can always go face the tiger. You can always load up a boat with <laughs> fucking Aston Martins and drive them through the desert and, uh, and try to build a studio. What is the most consistent thing that exists throughout, like, human history like as a career sure prostitution yeah i think so you think i think that it has existed in every single uh culture culture uh society time period what else cook cook always got someone to cook you need someone to cook you need someone to build i we haven't always had a need for hedge fund manager yeah <laughs> well and i i just think even the most stable things like the, one of the most needed jobs right now is a coder and and we will need coders yes but yeah. like a lot of the well eventually the code will code itself well a lot of the code will code itself i think that the, that that's like the zoom out of like a good coder isn't good at coding a good coder is a problem solver and i think that that's just being a successful person is a good problem solver yeah We'll always need problem solvers. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of problems. Um, if you have a band that we should be talking about, please email us at idontheartradiopod at gmail.com. Subject line. The dust destroyed. How my Aston Martin. Okay. So